This morning, I want to start a, what I believe will be a series for the next few weeks on God's harvest laws. And uh, I think it's going to be a real interesting series. Um, this has a lot of application in our lives uh, in many areas of, our, of living. Uh, certainly it does in our financial world, but it also has in our spiritual world and in our life living you know, it's important that we understand that God is very organized and he is very structured. Even in the times of life, maybe for us, when we feel like things are out of control and, and God's not uh, part of our life or maybe we're just spinning wildly out of control, understand that God is not. God is in control and he is not panicking and he is not rattled and he is not uh, spinning wildly like we may be. So we can learn a lot by learning more about the laws that God has established. And, and when we operate under God's laws, because he is structured, because he is organized, it will help us get organized and stay structured. The problems come so many times in our life is when we want to operate outside of God's laws. That we don't want to acknowledge the fact that God has structure, God has laws. We want to make up our own rules. We want to make up our own version of religion. We want to make up our own standards. And I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at that. I might start strong, but it's not long before I'm spinning out of control again. And it's not until I get my life back under God's laws do I then get my life back in order. So why don't we just learn that? Why don't we just come with that understanding at the very beginning and learn that God has designed and instituted certain laws and certain principles that the more we learn about God's word, the more we can live a life that is uh, more fulfilling, more productive now in this world and also eternally, which is very, very important, more impactful for those around us that will be more effective with relationships and that we'll be more rewarded over time. So there's a lot of benefit when we understand God's laws. And uh, in fact, there is no downside. There is no downside of understanding and applying godly principles in your life. Think about that. There is no negative side of that. So many times we weigh the good and the bad, and we, we will want to make a decision, and so we put a column, yay and nay, and then we see which one has the bigger a number of items in them, and the yay or nay. But let me just tell you right now that there is no nay in God's column. It's all good. It's all good for you. It may be hard. It may not be fun. It may stretch you. It may challenge you. But there's no negative there. So as we look at the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, four eyes or the laws, of, four laws of the harvest. Today we're going to talk about the law of investment. Basically, you reap only if you sow. Number two, the law of identity, whereas you reap what you sow. Number three is the law of increase, and that is that you reap more than you sow. And then finally, the law of interval, which means you must sow at a consistent interval and then be patient. And then be patient. There's that patient word. There's that P word again. Nobody likes the P word. But we're going to be going over all of these over the next few weeks. And I believe that when we're done, we'll have a solid biblical reference for God's principles when it comes to our finances and when it comes to our time, 
when it comes to our resources of everything that we have, and basically, how, essentially, how God looks at our lifestyle. Because what we do in church on Sunday mornings should not just stay in church on Sunday mornings. This really should become a lifestyle of living, that it just becomes who we are. It becomes second nature. It, it, it becomes, as, as I like what, what Tony said on Wednesday night, of, of a saying that she would have on her desk, it said that we are to preach the gospel at all times. And if you have to, use your words. You get it? It means that your life should be preaching the gospel at all times. And, at the, and as a last resort, if you have to, use your words. <laughs> because if we, if we use our words first, quite often our actions don't follow it. But let our actions lead our words. And, uh, and as we discover how these laws and principles work over the next few weeks, we're going to, be very, we're going to find out how that impacts our life. And it will go well beyond our finances. You know, I've been here four or five years now, and I've never spoken one time about giving. I haven't spoken one passage, one ministry, one sermon, one devotional about finances. And uh, the 15 years or so that we were in Brighton, where I was actively involved in leadership there, that's all I spoke about. I did 15, 10, 15 minute devotionals every Sunday on giving. And uh, maybe I've just spoken so much about it, I'm tired of speaking about it. I don't know. But let me, so, so the, the laws of the harvest really comes out of this. And really, I, uh, this information is not my own. Let me be very honest with you. A lot of it comes from David Jeremiah. Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah was a good Bible preacher and also the Word of God. Um, also, this, so I'm, I'm just not making this up. Uh, this is really good principles of living. So let's talk about, number one, the law of investment. You will only reap if you sow. Now, this may seem to be one of the simplest to understand because it's so obvious. It's so, it makes so much sense. I mean, think about it. If I want a tomato, and I'm not going to go to the store to buy it, <laughs> I have to plant a tomato plant first. I have to plant the tomato plant if I want to pick a tomato. Right? Pretty obvious, pretty simple concept. But yet, it's one of us, it's one of those that so many of us struggle with, and many of us don't seem to want to apply it in our life. We don't want to have to think we have to invest something to get something. We are in such a microwave technology. We're such a fast-paced technology world today that we just want the result without being willing sometimes to put in the effort to plant the seed or to water it or to tend the garden. And this principle, the law of investment, says that you will not reap unless you sow. Second Corinthians chapter 9, Paul talks about this to the Corinthian church. He says in verse 6, he says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now what Paul is trying to say here and get across to the Corinthians is that unless a person is willing to plant, you're not going to reap. Or if you plant selfishly or little, you will only reap little. That you will reap what you sow. And if you don't sow, you're not going to reap. Now do we know the definition of the word sow and reap? <laughs> Sowing means to plant. Reaping means to bring in the harvest or to 
have a benefit of what you take out of what you've put in. Okay, so the reaping and sowing is a very biblical concept. You know, an example here that for us that, again, make it real simple, is if, uh, if you're a farmer, if you want to harvest corn in the fall, what do you have to do in the spring? Yeah, you have to, it's a process. Good, you have to till it up first, Mike. And then after the soil is prepared properly, which is, that's a great point, actually. You have to till the soil first. You have to prepare the soil. But after the soil is prepared, what do you have to do? You have to plant the seed. You have to take the corn and plant the seed. And, and some may look at this and say, you know, I, I just can't come to do that. I mean, let's just look at this little corn kernel here, and it is such an amazing little kernel. I mean, think about it. You plant that little kernel in the ground, it goes out of sight, it's, it's dirty, <laughs> it's not a good place to be, if you were a human at least, not a good place to be. And that little kernel can produce up to two to 3,000 more kernels in the fall. And so you may look at that kernel as being too valuable, too precious to want to bury that kernel. So, so if you look at that kernel as being something that it is, and it is amazing what that little kernel can do, but it's only good when you plant it. If you take that kernel and think, oh, it is such a good little product it's so amazing and say i can't bear to 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 put this in the ground so therefore i'm just going to put it on my fireplace mantle and i'm going to look at it every day when i go by it and i'm going to i'm going to cherish it because of the value of the kernel you're not going to have a harvest that kernel will do no good sitting on a fireplace mantle the only time that kernel has value is when it's planted and so many times we look at our resources. I look at the $10 that I have. It's so valuable. I just can't seem to think I've got to plant that. But as we see, as we go through this, we're going to find out that that $10 is only as valuable as I invest it. You know, Paul talks to the Thessalonians, too, about this rule, but a little bit differently, but yet it's the same concept. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. All right? This is the rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Now, do you see a, a, a principle of investing and harvesting here? A person that is not willing to work in the New Testament church, Paul said he should not eat. Now, that doesn't mean if a person is disabled, starve them. That doesn't mean if a person is hurt, starve him. It means that if a person is able but unwilling to work, that person is not, not living with the principles of investment. He's not putting his time and effort in to receive a reward out called food or other resources. Paul also speaks in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18. He says, for Scripture says... Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Again, the, the, the law of investment. A worker that is willing to work is deserving of his wages. So the principles apply. No matter how you look at it, if it's investment of my time, investment of my money, what the Bible is telling us that if a person is willing, a person is able to, a person needs to put his effort into growing his harvest. 
not letting our social service network take care of it. It's really an unbiblical perspective in so many ways, our social security system and our social system that has been established. Not that, it's, not that we don't take care of the needy. We do take care of the needy. The problem is that, the, that so many people have exploited the system. And that's the problem. And we are to take care of those that are needy. We are to take care of those that, that can't help themselves. Um, and, and that's a biblical concept as well. But I'm talking about to someone here that just says, I'm not going to. Put it this way. Simply put, if you don't sow, you don't reap. Nothing plus nothing equals what? Nothing. Nothing times nothing equals what? Nothing. But if I put in effort, and if I put in time, and if I put it in a godly principle, I will, re- I will reap much in return. Now, does this look like a financial principle? Does this look like a spiritual principle? Absolutely. This is a life principle. It reminds me of a little story that I I read a while ago. Let me read it to you. It goes like this. A thirsty man crossing the desert stumbled upon a well with an old-fashioned hand-operated pump. Hanging on the pump handle was a small jar of water with a crude sign Pour this water into the pump, and it will give you all the water you need. Then leave the jar full of water so the next traveler can prime the pump. The man was so thirsty that he was tempted to gulp down the water and ignore the sign. Finally, he decided to pour the water into the pump handle. Sure enough, after a few minutes, the water expanded the seal in the pump handle, and he began to pump an ample supply of clear, cold water. He went away with his thirst quenched, his canteen filled, and the jar also filled, ready for the next traveler. Being a faithful steward is something like priming the pump. When we take our eyes off of ourselves and our short-term needs and think long-term and about the needs of others, we are inevitably blessed in the process. It's one of the great joys of life. Now, maybe you've heard that little story before, but there is a lot of truth in that little story. Do you see the importance of, of trusting in the, in the writer of the giver of the sign here? I mean, put yourself in that position. You are a thirsty traveler dra- traveling through a desert, and you are dying of thirst. How many here have ever been thirsty? How many of here have really been to the point where you just would give anything for a glass of water? I mean, I think we've all come to that at some point in time where, where you're, we're so thirsty that we just want to have our, our thirst quenched and satisfied. But the, and the temptation here for this traveler was he's here, he comes up with this jar of water that's right here before him. He says, ah, oh, water. And then he reads the sign. He says, wait, pour the water down the pipe. In other words, dump the water out. Because when you do that, it'll prime the pump and you'll have more water. Now, can you not see the temptation here? Can you not see the temptation of the traveler to say, I don't know if I can trust that sign. I don't know if I can really just waste all this water by dumping it down this well, and I am so thirsty. What happens if it doesn't work? What happens if if I just wasted my my water supply and I'm dying? Now, can we apply this at all into our financial world? Can you see yourself in, in, in any of this at all in the way that you are looking at maybe the way you're looking at your bank account? 
The way they're looking at your time. We're busy, busy, busy. I don't have time, God. I don't have time to come into Wednesdays. I don't have time to come in and help Drew with Royal Rangers. I don't have time to help Riley with the youth group. I don't have time to come in on Sunday school. I don't, I, God, I'm so busy. I can't waste my time, God. God, I don't have that much money. I, I have just enough to pay the bills, God. Do you see this at all, this principle? Now, let, let's play a what-if game here a little bit. What, let's say that, that you're this man here. You come in, and, and let's look at some of the scenarios that might have happened if he would have drank the water instead of trusting the sign. One thing that came to my mind was we don't know how long the water has been sitting there. We don't know if it's stagnant or not. We don't know if that water has turned sour or not, because water can turn sour. I mean, we see it in the Old Testament where, they, where the, the Israelites came on a stream and it was bitter water, right? They could, it was undrinkable, unpotable, and God healed the water. But So here I have this jar of water, and I have no way of knowing if that water is good to drink or not. And so if I drink that water and it's bad, now, I've just, now I'm going to get sick. And I'm going to be worse off because now I'm going to be um, sick and I'm going to be thrown up and I'm going to further dehydrate myself. So if I drink the water, wow, uh, maybe I'm going to get sick. Or maybe you would think, well, how about if I just pour a little bit of water down the pump and then I'll drink the rest? So I'm just going to partially prime the pump. I'm going to pour a little bit in, and then, I'll, then I know that I still have a little bit of drink. I can still quench my thirst. So I'm just going to pour a little bit. What's the risk of that? Here's the risk of that. Maybe you didn't pour enough water in to properly swell the seal, and the pump's still not going to pump. And I've drank a little bit of water, and my thirst isn't quenched. So I've lost on both purposes. I partially did it. I partially gave, and I'm partially satisfied. Wow, here's the deal. Partial truths, folks, never satisfy. Partial truths, understand what a partial truth is. A partial truth is a partial lie. And partial lies are not blessed by God. Because where do liars go? Do you want to go in the read word, in the word where liars go? They do not go to heaven. So if you're living a life of partial truths, understand you're living a life of partial lies. And in, in God's economy system, the lies win over the truths because you're not living in a whole truth. You're living in a partial, partial truth world, and basically you're a liar. I mean, let's just say what it is. You're a liar, and we don't want to be a liar. So let's not be worried about pouring all the water in. Let's listen. Let's go to the Word, and let's see what the Word says. The Word says, invest. Pour it all in. Give it all to God. Give it all. And trust me. Or maybe he just didn't believe it at all, and he drank the jar of water. Uh, obviously, that's a, we know that, that that's a problem. Uh, he, he's thirsty. Maybe, maybe his thirst is quenched for a little bit. But, but here's the deal. He doesn't leave anything for his future, nor has he left anything for anyone else's future. Because not only has he wasted the water on himself, but he didn't fill the canteen or didn't fill the jar for the next traveler. So it's a lose-lose. So all these short-term solutions left the traveler wanting and left his future in jeopardy as well, and for those around him. So um, here it is. If you just pour the water down the well, you will have all the water you will need and enough for those that follow. And that's how we need to apply that. So how does that apply today? 
Well, certainly there's some financial application to that. Let's turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 gives a biblical perspective of those little stories we just discussed because this is the principle of tithing. This is the principle of tithing. Tithing means a tenth, that we give a tenth of our first fruits to God, believing then that God is going to supply our need with the 90% that we have left over. That's the principle. Malachi chapter 8, or I'm sorry, chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 says this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Do you see the corollary here between biblically this passage in Malachi and that little story we just read about the desert traveler? About how we're to pour in, in this case, a tenth of our first fruits. And I say first fruits because it's important that we don't give what, to God what's left over. We have to give God first. Just like if we were to drink the water of that jar and say, God, I'll give you what's left over. The problem is, if, you, if, if, if the sign said, take the first drink and then give what's left over, what's the temptation? Will you stop at one drink? Will you stop at one swallow? Or is the temptation, oh, it tastes so good, God, that water's so cool, it's so refreshing. I've got to finish it, and before long, it's gone. And that's what happens. That's what happens when we don't give God first out of our first 10%, that we say, God, I can't afford to give, therefore I'm going to give you what's left over. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe God is worth more than that. I mean, if I'm giving God my leftovers, what am, I tell, what am I saying about God? If I came up to you and said, I'm going to give you my shirt that's worn out, or I'm going to give you my shoes that I've already worn out, what, what am I saying to you? What am I saying? Or if I were to come to you and say, you know what, the Lord told me to give you a new pair of shoes. My, my value, am I putting value on you because I'm giving you something of, of chari- that, I would, that I could use? Or am I giving value to you when I give you something that I'm already used up. I'm giving you my junk. <laughs> Therefore, would you please take care of my junk? Would you please be responsible to throw it away because I don't want to throw it away, so I'm going to give it to you. What am I saying to, when, I, when I do that? And what are we saying to God when we say, God, I will give to you what I have left over? If, it, if, it's, if it's not a value to you, then, then trust me, it's not valuable to God. So here we are, here we're back at this story, and we're saying, but you know, Mike, I don't have it. I, I just don't have the money to trust God. I, I, just, I just don't have it. Well, if you still don't believe me that we are to test God in this, and by the way, this is the only time in God's word that he ever says, test me. This is the only place where he says, test me. In no other place are we instructed to test God. God will test us. But no other place are we ever told to test me. But God says specifically, test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not do as you do first. All right. 
Maybe we need to read the rest of the passage. Okay, let's keep, if your Bible's open, keep it open. Let's read verses 11 through 18, because this is how God comes through for us. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord, yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What we do by what we gain, what do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as the Father has compassion and spares his Son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. See, we all see people that are very prosperous, but yet we don't see a godly life. Not that we're to necessarily judge those in the world, but I think we can look at someone's life and say, wow, look at all the money they have. And I'm working, I'm struggling, I'm serving the Lord, and look at the little I have. And God says, stop stop doing that. First of all, it's a waste of time. Don't be doing that. He said, I will take care of that. Just let me have that. But but what I I really want to focus here on is what verse 11 says. If you are saying to yourself, I can't afford to tithe, I can't afford to give of my first fruits, Verse 11 says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop the fruit before it's ripe. Now, in today's, that doesn't mean a whole lot, because I don't, I don't have a crop. I don't have to worry about pests. But what this might say like today in our world, today in our vernacular, it might read like this. I will prevent your washing machine from breaking down, and your refrigerator may have an extended life. Your kids may not need to go to the doctor because I will spare them injury. Here's the principle. It's already God's. The 10% here we're talking about. Now, we could go into a lot more detail, a lot more study to talk about the Old Testament 10%, and I don't have time to do that. But that 10% is already the Lord's. That's why we're robbing him if we don't give it to him. So understand this concept. God's going to get it one way or the other. It's already his. He's going to get that 10%. Whether you give it to him freely or not, he's still going to get it from you. (laughs) Wouldn't it be smarter, wouldn't it be better to give it to him willingly with a joyful heart, with a proper attitude so that we then can properly test the Lord as we're told to in Malachi chapter 3? Wouldn't it be better for us to do that? See, I think we probably, for those that have done that, I think we all can go back and look at how God has preserved for us. How many times, how many can you hear this morning that, have our, that are tithers? How, much here can, how many of you here can go back and look at the unexpected blessings you received? Or that the check in the mail that you got at the last minute? Or the fact that you had something that just ran and ran and ran and ran? And, and all in, on other ways of saving resources. God is faithful. And he does come through on his promises. For those that struggle with this concept... Think of this. It's not how much you make, it's how much you spend. 
I can make a lot of money, but if I spend it all, am I any better off than a guy that doesn't make a lot of money and spends it all? No, it doesn't make a difference how much I make if I spend it all. It's not how much you make, it's how much you spend. And we get into a lot of credit problems because we don't recognize that. You know, God is pretty serious when he says, will a mere mortal rob God? You know, a mere mortal. That's, that's pretty much slapping us in the face, isn't it? I mean, not only are you just human, you're merely human. <laughs> you're just a mere mortal. And who are we to think that we can rob God when God is the creator and God is the provider and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills? What, who do we think we are? That you, but yet you rob me. We're robbing God in our tithes and offerings, and and so I think it's better for us just to learn how how much how why how much wiser it is and how much smarter it is for us to keep a loose grip on our wallets, lighten up the grip on our resources, come to God freely and say, God, I know it's yours anyways. I know that you've given it to me. I've worked, yes, I have worked, but only by your provision am I able to work in the first place. Yes, you have blessed me, but it's only through your provision have you blessed me. So it's much better for us just to come back and, and say the things that we should just say, God, I, I want to put you first, and, and I'm not putting my temporal needs before you anymore. Maybe I have in the past. Maybe I have not trusted you. Maybe I have not put in those that, that haven't trusted that sign. But, you know, we're also given us very ample warning in Luke chapter 9, verse 25. It says, what good is it for a man or for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very soul? Think about it. You know, the old story, the old adage is, is, is it's not, it's a boys and their toys type of a thing. And, and he who wins is the one that ends with, you know, dies with the most toys. Isn't that silly? Think about it. Isn't that silly? that we would hoard that together thinking that the more, I, the more I have at the end of my life, it proves my success. I mean, I'm, I'm, when I leave this world, I, I leave it like I came into it, naked, with nothing. I have no pockets. No pockets here that I can take with me. So isn't it better that I recognize and understand godly laws of investment? And as I invest wisely now, I'm, not, I'm, I'm taking my mind and my eye off the short-term solution, my short-term satisfaction, and I'm putting it on a long-term gain, and I'm also putting it on the needs of others. And I say, God, I am willing to give you my first 10%. And I trust you, Father. I trust you to help me to live. Now, there's a difference here, I think a very important difference here, in that when it looks about what God is testing you is, is, the difference here is there's a, there's a difference between my needs and my wants. There's a difference between what I need and what I want. I don't need so much of the things that I want. True? But yet I find myself focused on my wants after God has supplied my needs. <laughs> and he said, I've given you everything you need. What's your problem, Mike? I say, well, God, I want more. I want more. Sounds like that little Verizon commercial. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? I want more. Um, but that's not godly, is it? I mean, think about it. It's not that God, I'm, and it's not that God is not a God of prosperity. I'm not saying that. God will bless you, and that's fine. I'm not against prosperity. 
God will bless you, but he gives you the purpose. He gives you the blessings for further investment and that he can further bless for further investment. He can further bless. But if I become a stagnant pond and if I hoard what God gives me, it won't be long and the provision will dry up. Trust me in this. (laughs) God's word is true. And he says that, and, and he's very clear about that. So as we end this morning, as we conclude this morning, you know, um, Psalm chapter 37 is really a good psalm to go back and spend some time on this afternoon. Um, it's a long psalm, but it really goes to the word of what we've been talking about here when it talks about um, fretting over things that are out of our control that would appear that God is blessing other people and not blessing me. The first couple of verses of that psalm says this, Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong, for like the grass they will soon wither. Like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And it goes on and on and on with promises like this. This is a great psalm to go to and just read it when you're not feeling good about yourself. Read it when you're struggling with your finances. Read it when you're, not, when you're looking at other people, when, you're, when you have a tendency to, to want to compare yourself to other people. Read this psalm, and it will bring you back to the reality of who God is and who you are and what he should be for our life. He is our provider. He is our provision. He is our deliverer. And it's well worth reading that psalm. So I would encourage you to go home and finish reading that psalm today as you go home. And just let it sink into you. But as we conclude this morning, Jackie, if you would come. Are you trusting God this morning? I mean, are you really willing to trust him over your ability? I mean, are we just recognizing ourselves clearly as mere mortals? And recognizing that our ability to take care of ourselves is really only as good as what God allows me in the first place. I mean, I I may have the ability to go out and work this afternoon, but, you know, what's keeping me from that heart attack? What's keeping me from that stroke? What's keeping me from that disablement that I'm not able to work anymore? If I put my trust in myself, that's a pretty frail, pretty fragile thing to be putting my trust in. Isn't it better to put my trust in God Almighty? And I put my trust in him and, and, and willing to take him at his word. And, and as that traveler saw that sign and said, pour the water in, God's word is saying the same thing. Will you, pour your, will you pour your life into me? Will you pour your life into me and trust me with you with what your provision is from thereafter? See, these laws of investment, these laws of harvest... They're so much geared on the financial. 
but at the same time, they have so much other application in our spiritual life. Because what I see today, everything I see in this room, it's real. But what I don't see is more real. What I don't see, the spiritual world around me today, the angels that are in this place today, the the spiritual world today that I'm investing myself in is more real, even though I don't see it, because it lasts forever. The chair you're sitting on is going to dissolve someday. It's going to burn up someday. The clothes you're wearing are going to be left on a pile on the floor someday. But when God gives us this challenge to, what am I investing myself in? Am I really investing myself in the things that matter? Am I really putting myself, am I really trusting God? I know that's a hard thing sometimes. And and I don't want to leave you this morning with a challenge that you can't do, but everyone can start somewhere. Today is the day to start. Today is is the day to begin to trust the Lord. So this morning, as you examine your life, and you look back over your history, you look back over your investment principles, what have you invested yourself into? And is it going to reap a harvest? We're going to talk next week about identity. What you sow is what you'll reap in the same identity. But today, I just want to encourage us to begin to invest in godliness. Continue to start to invest in godly living in your life. Amen. Would you stand with me? Father, I just come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, you are a God of order. You are a God of rules. And I don't have a problem saying that. Because it's the man that is prideful is the man that won't won't submit to your rules. I don't have any problem saying, God, that I need to submit to your regulations. That I need to submit to your rules and your structure and your infrastructure. Because when I trust you, God, I know that the rules that you've established are for my good, not for my harm. And so, Lord, when you say, when you put things in your word that are clear instructions for me, then, Lord, would you give me the faith to believe that? Would you increase my faith this morning, Father, to be able to put you to the test when it comes to my finances, when it comes to investing my time? Maybe I need to tithe my prayer time. Maybe I need to tithe my first time of the morning to you and say, God, the first 10 minutes, the first 15 minutes, the first hour, I don't know how much it is for each individual, but the first few minutes of my day, I'm giving to you, God, that I'm going to trust you to take the rest of my day and put it in order so that I don't struggle with my own rules. But God, that I come under your godly authority. So this morning, as you are standing here, as you're evaluating your own life, where are you this morning? Are you willing this morning to make a commitment to the Lord? To maybe renew your commitment to the Lord or or make it for the first time? To say, God, yes, I will start to give. And and this is not a, a way for the church to get your money. This is not a way for us to pad our pockets. This is a way to help you develop spiritual principles that will bring blessing into your life 
over and over and over again. And you will walk and you will mature godly in a godly perspective. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray you're being challenged to our lives this morning. You would bring that challenge and you would let this settle in our hearts. Let the law of investment become real to us. Help us not to rush past this thinking that I don't need to do this. Help me not to think this is optional. Lord, I praise your name for this. I thank you, Lord, and I invest my praise and worship in you as well. Amen. Amen. Jackie, let's sing the song that you're playing and and let's just invest a little bit right now as we, before we go to our homes in our praise and worship, knowing that if I invest in this, God will bring a blessing in my life as well. Amen. Father, I pray that you would bring this alive in our hearts today. Let the revelation of your word be made new to us today, Father. Let the revelation sink in a new way, God. And I pray that you would just be manifested and glorified in our lives. As we go into our homes and we go to our ways today, Father, I pray that our lives would be challenged and we would accept the challenge and we would glorify you in the process and we call it done in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.